Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, we come to this wonderful sacred solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity. We come to Trinity Sunday, always follows on Pentecost. The Trinity the strangest and most distinctive of all the doctrines of Christianity. The Trinity, the preacher's nightmare. The Trinity, the ultimate Rubik's Cube of theology. The Trinity, oh, it's a lot of medieval (laughs) mumbo-jumbo. My point here is the Trinity has been characterized in a number of ways, some good, some bad, to varying degrees of reverence. So what do we make of the Trinity? It's funny, isn't it? We invoke the Trinity every single time we make the sign of the cross. Think of every time you pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But yet a lot of us, I think, live our practical spiritual lives as if the Trinity doesn't really matter at all. So what do we make of it? Well, it's very interesting how the church gives us, how the church really sets this up by giving us some interesting readings for today. And the first one is taken from the book of Exodus. This might be a little bit surprising. It describes the moment when Moses is walking back up Mount Sinai, and he's carrying two new stone tablets. Remember, he had been given the tablets of the commandments. He came down. The Israelites were engaged in debauchery and idolatry, and so in anger he threw them against the mountain and broke the tablets. So the Lord says, all right, Moses, get two new ones and bring them up the mountain, and I'm going to write a new version of the Ten Commandments for you. So as the story opens here, he's carrying the tablets back up the mountain. And then we hear this. Having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses there and proclaimed his name, Lord. Hmm, that's that's the first thing the church is telling us now on Trinity Sunday. So what are we meant to notice? I think the first thing we're meant to notice is this familiar biblical symbol of the cloud. Having come down in a cloud, the Lord stood with Moses. What do clouds do? Well, many things, but one is they obscure vision, right? If you're trying to see something, there's a cloud in front of you. Well, you, you can't see it very well. You know, you're flying along and, and you're looking down at the ground and suddenly you, you go into a cloud bank and you just can't see anything. It's a very important spiritual principle. At least in this life, everybody, God is never seen clearly. Let me say that again. In this life anyway, God is never seen clearly. He's the very source of existence, and therefore he's beyond any of the categories that we use to understand ordinary reality. 
right? So you, you, with your eagle eyes, you look out at the world and you see it, you assess it, you compare, you contrast, you put things in different uh, categories and headings. Oh, yeah, this thing is growing, that thing is diminishing, that thing is like that other thing. See how the mind just puts the world into categories. Well, God is the source of all reality. God isn't a thing in the world. God can't be compared and contrasted. And therefore, he's always seen, I put that scene kind of in quotes, through, as Paul said, a, a glass darkly. He's always seen in the cloud. You know, by the way, Catholics uh, will get this. One reason we use incense at Mass is to symbolize this. We use the incense at very sacred moments. Why? Because don't think you can just stare at this thing and get it. <laughs> you know, that you just, with your eagle eyes, you figured this out. You understand what you're dealing with. No, you don't. The incense is meant to cloud your vision. Whatever we say about God, let's face it, is less than what God really is. St. Augustine famously said, Si comprehendus non est Deus. That means if you understand, then that's not God. It's a wonderful warning to us, right? Because the mind can be an idol-making machine. Oh, I got it. Mm -hmm. I understand that. I have the concept of God. Oh, you never do. See, comprehend as non est Deus. Well, in a way, here's one purpose of the language of the Trinity. We say, well, God is both one and three. All right, <laughs> what does that mean? How do you figure that out? How do you get a clear and distinct idea of that? Well, the point is you don't. And that is the point. To some degree, Trinitarian language is meant to throw smoke in our eyes. It's meant to produce a cloud so we don't know God with absolute clarity. Notice, too, in the, in the Exodus reading that this incomprehensibility of God is implied in the very title that God uses. What name does he give himself but Lord? Well, earlier in Exodus, God gives Moses the holy name. You know, we say, I am who I am. And it's signaled by what the scholars call the tetragrammaton. It just means the four letters, right? Y-H-W-H. Now, we say Yahweh, but Yahweh is kind of a made-up term. The idea was the, the Y-H-W-H was the unpronounceable name. And that's its whole point. I am who I am. I mean, we, that's not telling us anything. That's, that's not really throwing light. That's throwing clouds at us, if you want. And so what did the ancient Israelites do? They wouldn't use this sacred name. Instead, they called God Adonai, which just means Lord. And the same you know, term you'd use to address an elevated human being. Yes, my Lord, you know, we might say. But the idea is, I'm not going to use God's holy name because I, I don't have control over God that way. And so God, in the presence of Moses here, names himself as Lord, and it has that same kind of distancing purpose. Well, can you see how Trinity, and I put that in, in quotes, the, the name, the word Trinity, functions in kind of a similar way? We don't ever really know clearly what we're talking about when we speak of God under that rubric. God is three and God is one. Uh, what? See, and to some degree, that's right. That's a good instinct. Okay, 
But you say, now, does that just leave me, Bishop, totally in the dark? <laughs> no, not totally, because having said all that, I'm going to insist there's also something very positive being communicated in the language of the Trinity. And this also comes out in this first reading. How? Well, listen how the reading unfolds. Thus the Lord passed before him, before Moses, and cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger, rich in kindness and fidelity. It's beautiful. God naming himself. It's a very important moment in the biblical tradition. Four great titles or attributes are being used here. Namely, merciful, gracious, kind, and faithful. Merciful, gracious, kind, and faithful. And don't those words, everybody, if you read the scripture regularly, don't they echo up and down the pages of the Bible? Well, what's to be merciful? It's, it's to show love to the sinner. What's graciousness? Well, that's to be a giver of gifts. To be kind, what's that? But to demonstrate compassion. To be faithful, what's that? But to be steadfast and reliable. These are all qualities that the God of Israel shows in his covenantal relationship with the people Israel, right? God is merciful, gracious, kind, faithful to his people. But, but, here's the interesting question. Does God have these qualities only in relation to his creatures, or do they inhere in his very nature? Another way to put it, would God be merciful, compassionate, tender-hearted, reliable, even if he had never created anything at all? Now, I pose it to you as an interesting little philosophical question, because you say, well, yeah, all those things have to do with God's relationship to the world, right? He's faithful to Israel. He's kind to Israel. He's merciful and so on to his people. But the question is, well, okay, but what if he had never made the world? What if he had never brought into being the people Israel? Would he still have these qualities? Well, the doctrine of the Trinity says yes. And let me try to explain what I mean here. The doctrine of the Trinity says yes, even without creation, God would have these qualities. See, if God is kind, faithful, gracious, and compassionate, even before he creates then something like love must obtain within the very dynamics of his being. I know I'm speaking kind of high philosophical language here, but it's kind of a, a simple point I'm making, right? If, if we say, even without creation, God would be kind, faithful, gracious, and compassionate, well then, something like love, see, which stands behind all those things, must belong to the very dynamics of God's being. Well, Many religions and philosophy say that, that God loves, that love is one of the things that God does. But only Christianity, everybody, of all the religions and philosophies of the world, only Christianity says that God is love. Not that he just has it or it's something he does, but it's what God is. And you see what this must entail? It must entail that in the unity of God, there is a lover 
there's a beloved and there's a shared love. Something like a play between a lover, a beloved, and shared love must belong to the very essence of God. Well, this is exactly what the doctrine of the Trinity is naming, right? We name the lover the Father. We name the beloved the Son. We name the love they share Holy Spirit, which is why the Trinity, as G.K. Chesterton said so beautifully, is just the technically correct way of saying that God is love. And so what we see in God's tender mercy and compassion towards Israel and towards the world is a manifestation. It's a reflection of what's already true within God's inner life. Now, one more step on this. And obviously, we could talk all day about these things. It's all of theology in a way. Where did this outward expression of the inner dynamics of God come to its, its uh, completion. We'll listen now to our gospel for today. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. That, by the way, is the famous John 3.16. You'll see like at sporting events, sometimes people hold up that sign, John 3.16, because it does sum up Christianity. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life. Well, let's parse that statement a bit. God the Father is the one who so loved the world that he sent God the Son. See, not just another prophet, another representative. He sent the very image of his own being. He sent his only begotten Son. He sent the one who is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. All right, so where's the Holy Spirit? Well, look for him in that little word, love. God so loved the world that he sent his Son. The Son, out of love, accepted that mission. The Spirit is the love shared by the Father and Son. And therefore, he's the eternal life into which the Father and Son are drawing us. Does that make sense? The love that God is from all eternity is made manifest in his covenantal love for Israel, but it's made unsurpassingly manifest in this great act by which the Father sends the Son into the world to gather us into his life. Wow, we. I mean, don't be tempted, please, ever to say, oh, the Trinity, that's a bunch of medieval mumbo-jumbo, or that's a little puzzle for the theologians to worry about. No, it names the very essence of our faith. It names the central dynamics at the heart of Christianity. God so loved the world that he sent his only Son that we might have life in his name. That's why it's so good for us on this wonderful solemnity of the Holy Trinity to reflect on the love that God is. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.